Welcome to Atomic Moms, a modern parenting podcast about the joys and complexities of caring for our children and ourselves. I'm Ellie Noss, and since 2014, we've been celebrating and commiserating with world-class experts, best-selling authors, and like today, mamas around the world. I wanted to do something special. I wanted to make a grand gesture to you all in celebration of Mama Month. That's not a thing, but it's going to be a thing on Atomic Moms because one day isn't enough. I want to commemorate May as Mama's Month. And there's no one I'd rather celebrate with than you. So in a real impulsive moment when I was feeling overwhelmed and tired and like there wasn't enough time, I uh, was thinking about that episode a million years ago with Martha Beck, the life coach who's been on Oprah a bunch and she does O Magazine. We had been talking about like run towards what feels good. And I was like, okay, I feel like crap right now. I'm really tired. I feel burnt out. What feels good? Oh, talking to the listeners. And I had done this for our 100th episode. And that had felt really good. So in this super impulsive moment, I posted on social media, who wants to come on Atomic Moms to celebrate Mother's Day? Now, this is one of the benefits of doing a podcast all by myself. There's literally no one telling me no. And since this is the 177th podcast, I took the first 17 listeners who made appointments. The only requirement was that the mamas who made appointments, they had to have at least listened to seven episodes. Now, that's a lot of sevens. And what do sevens mean? I don't know. I only pretend to be hippy-dippy, but I was born on April 7th. I'm going to look it up now. Okay, guys. Weird. The number seven. I don't, this is just Google. You know how like Google pull up like the first quote. I don't know who this is even quoting, but the number seven is the seeker, the thinker, the searcher of truth. Notice the capital T. The seven doesn't take anything at face value. It is always trying to understand the underlying hidden truths. So anyways... (laughs) I made 17 friends this week, and by the end of this episode, I'm pretty darn sure you're going to feel the same way. Adam, my husband, and I, we've been married for almost 11 years, and we have a a four-and-a-half-year-old, and we've got a nine-month-old who just loves to yell at 5 a.m. We're tired, cranky people. That's why I'm sharing this. And I I told him what I was doing. I was like, oh, my gosh, I made these appointments. And the first 17 people who signed up, like, I'm going to call them. And he was like, you don't know them? Like, you're going to talk to strangers? He goes, this sounds like my worst nightmare. And I was like, they're not strangers. They listen to the show. And I know three of them. Uh, Olivia is our private Facebook group administrator. And no, I haven't met her in real life. But Angie has been on to talk about adoption. And Katie and I went to high school together. And uh, she reached out to me after the how to parent during a crisis episode. And she'd written this outline of the episode with all the information and she sent it to all the teachers at her school. So like, no, I haven't seen Katie in like 15 years. And but we were friends of friends and we were friendly. And anyway, they're all atomic mamas. They wanted to talk, so they signed up, and they're my people. And I mean, not my people. We're each other's people. 
And so uh, in three days during my child care hours, I made 17 phone calls. You guys are amazing. There are similarities. You know, a lot of us have had anxiety. A lot of us are learning to be braver because of our children. We're learning to step up for ourselves in order to model that strength for them. And I think I speak for a lot of us when I say we're we're learning to be the good enough parent. And I want to clarify that because I don't mean mm, not in how we relate to our children, not good enough in that way. Because in relationship to them, I feel like if we listen to this podcast, like we're all in, right? We're all in for the relationship part. But good enough when it comes to the after-school snacks. I mean, like nothing is elegantly plated at my house, right? Or the laundry in the hallway. My staircase has become my drying rack. I shouldn't have admitted that. That's probably like a grade below good enough. I got I got to find a – who's got a good rack? <laughs> oh, that just made me think about how I'll stop nursing soon and then I won't have a chest. No, who's got a good laundry rack for drying – uh, I need one. Okay. Now that we've got that cleared up, I get on social media to chat with you all. I'm starting to sound like a very sad, lonely person, <laughs> but I do. I get on social media to chat with you all. And when someone comments on your post, like with at Atomic Moms, that's me. That's Crazy Pants Ellie. And then sometimes I get sucked into like how many people follow the account or other people's accounts and like... Oh, social media has basically taken the middle school popularity contest and dragged it into our adult lives, right? Like, I love going to your pages, but then sometimes, like, it'll suggest people. And then the second I go into the mommy blogger world, I just suddenly am like, oh, my God. Oh, they have so many likes. So much is vying for our attention, on social media, and in these mom spaces, it feels like everybody wants us to buy something that can make our lives better or easier or prettier or more glamorous. But what's most important to feeling good about ourselves and our mothering, you know, it's free. It's accessible to all of us, and that is the wisdom and support of each other. These mommies, I'm these mommies. These moms I'm talking to are from all over the country and Canada and Scotland. I'm sure that if I pulled an all-nighter, we would have even more international listeners speaking to us. But these 17 spots, they they went like hot pancakes. Was was the phrase? Uh, so next time, maybe I'll do it in the middle of the night. We I want more. Uh, fascinating uh, accents. <laughs> I asked really basic questions and the responses were so personal and oftentimes so helpful in my own parenting. Um, the questions, I'm almost embarrassed to say them because they're so run of the mill. What's your favorite memory of your mother? What do you want your children to remember about you as their mother? How has motherhood surprised you? In what ways has it changed you? And what's a life hack that's made your life as a mom just a little bit easier? You know, these are just like simple mom icebreakers you could use on the playground 
uh, if you're like standing awkwardly next to the crudité at a preschool event, because you might be surprised by the answer. That's the thing about this wacky role as mother. Oh man, it can seem so basic. And in its simplicity, it reveals itself to be so earth-shatteringly profound. Ooh, maybe that's what this seven thing is about. This Remember, the seven doesn't take anything at face value. It is always trying to understand the underlying hidden truths. Ah! I should shut up and let us get to this episode because these are such amazing mothers. And in saying that, I should also say I could have shared everything that these women shared. Like I should have just let the tape run and you're going to feel the same way and you're going to be frustrated with me probably for not making it longer. But I wanted to make sure that everyone got to hear every mom because I know everyone's super busy. And so if a story gave me shivers, I was like, okay, that mom's going to give that moment. And then it's going to be like, and scene. So I played with the tempo and duration in editing this. Like another way of saying that is I mixed things up. Uh, these women all gave me so much material. Some I have playing longer, some shorter. Uh, but that has nothing to do with what they presented to me and everything to do with how the piece felt as an ensemble. And now I sound like a very frustrated high school drama teacher. The first interview, you will hear me so that you get an idea of <laughs> what it was like for these moms to be on the phone. And then for the rest of them, I cut myself out. So happy Mother's Day. Happy Mama's Mump, Mump, Bump. Happy Mama's Month to all of us. And all of the mamas who came before us. And thank you for sharing the podcast and helping it grow. I know these women's stories. Oh, I know that they gave so much to me this week. And I'm hoping for you that they feel like a warm cup of tea or a beautiful, soft patchwork quilt. I'll be right back with 17 listeners who dared to reach out and share their voices with all of us in honor of our mom community. Hello. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Ellie. Hi. How are you? I'm great. You know, I was, I was thinking about talking to you this morning. I was like, every time I turn on the podcast, it's like calling up an old friend and having a one-sided conversation with a person who has so much great information and resources. <laughs> and so it's, I was so excited to be able to share a little about my life with you. I'm so excited. Can you do me a favor and can you just give a quick introduction to our listeners? I'm going to be editing this um, where you just, you know, say where you're from and, you know, just do a little quick, like one sentence thing. Sure. So I am from Bainbridge Island, Washington, or that's where I live now. It's a little island about the size of Manhattan, straight across the Puget Sound from Seattle, Washington. So I 
work in Seattle at a clinical diagnostic laboratory, and we monitor, uh, diagnose and monitor treatment patients with leukemias and lymphomas. I have two children, uh, Marit, who is seven, and Henrik, who is five, and my husband runs his own business from home. So we have kind of a crazy life. Okay, so Lisa, what is the most unexpected way motherhood has changed you? I'm a very goal-oriented, driven sort of person. And much of my life has been about sort of doing things in, in order, in stepwise progression, and always trying to get to the goal. And the goal may have like been dynamic and changing, but I was always trying to get somewhere. And, you know, the further I got, the more I was still trying to get somewhere. Um, I had my first child when I had my second child when I had my second child. When am I going to get to this place in my career? When is it going to be easier with just having kids and having a career? And I kept thinking I was going to have these, I was going to get someplace. And then my son um, ended up having some really significant um, speech developmental delays. And when he was about two, we started getting really, really worried because he wasn't talking yet. And then went about a two-year journey of going through a a diagnosis of um, speech apraxia and getting in place really a ton of interventions. And so at three and a half, he finally was able to start saying a few words and, and finally be able to say mama and data. And then, um, and now at five and a half, getting ready to go into kindergarten, um, he's doing great. He talks a lot. His articulation has got a long way to go, but he's got, he's got a couple of best buddies. He's, you know, he's living, he's living a, a pretty normal life, but there was a period of time where I was not sure that he was going to live a normal life. And it was so scary. And it really completely altered how I look at life. And um, in such a way that I was like, it's not about getting anywhere. It's only about being present in your life. Enjoy those moments you have. Because when you have a child with special needs and you don't know what the future holds anymore, all of a sudden, all of that like fixture on some prize just seems so silly. Um, and so the, I, the, I think his, his speech practice is, is literally the best thing that could have ever happened to me. Oh, you're amazing. You're so amazing. What comes to mind when you think of your mom? Oh, so my mom, <laughs> I have, so I have two moms. My mom that that raised me and my mom that gave birth to me. And I've been blessed to have both of them in my life. My I was adopted when I was I was a special needs baby with a heart condition. Um, and I was adopted when I was two months old and raised by my parents who are absolutely amazing. And my my mom is just super fun, really just the life of the party. And there are a lot of my like most fun memories of my mom was when I was young and we would be in the car together. Like she would belt out songs at the top of her lungs. And, (laughs) you know, when I got older, like I remember being in the car with her and reading like an issue of Cosmo. She's like, what are you reading? And I, and, and, I was like, oh, nothing. Cause it was like, anyway, she was like, oh, yeah. she's like, no, oh, I know. It out loud. Yeah. 
right? And so anyway, the topic, that topic, you know, ended up being about, do you rather do this like a popsicle or a corn on the cob? You can fill in the, the you know, <laughs> use your imagination. And, 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 and we ended up like dying laughing, like dying laughing, whereas that could have been like one of the most horrifically embarrassing moments with, <laughs> we just laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed. So, um, that those really stand out, but my, so to give credit to my other mother, my, my mom passed away, um, almost eight years ago, breast cancer and my birth mom who I met when I was 24, I've just been so blessed to have her be able to come back into my life when I was older and now sort of fill the position of grandmother to my children and have her, you know, just kind of prop me up the way a mother needs to. So I'm just, you know, the moments that she is my children's grandmother and taking that place with her, with my birth mother is, is fantastic. I'm Elena Stoner. I have two boys. One is five years old. His name is Todd and he is basically Spock. And I have a two-year-old named Jackson who is a brain cancer survivor and is a total wild man. And I'm a stay-at-home mom, and I really love it, but they do drive me crazy. So I love that it's given me this opportunity to, like, find true strength. Because my first birth, was it went exactly according to my plan. Um, I had it at a freestanding birth center. It was unmedicated. I had a birth tub and midwife and my mother and my husband there. And everything happened exactly the way that I had planned it. But it all felt, I mean, almost too controlled. There were no surprises. But then when my second was born, um, I didn't make it to the birth center and my midwife didn't make it to my house. So he was born in my bathtub with just me and my husband. And that was really the beginning of me being able to find this this strength that I didn't know I had. So that like shocked me. And I think of myself as a totally different person now. And I find we all have those days where like, oh my God, like, why am I doing this? This is, this is crazy. Uh, my children are crazy and I don't have the strength for this. So now it helps me to remember that in those moments, I do have the strength. It's, it's right there. So I love that I have found, I've tapped into this well that I didn't know existed. And I can bring that up whenever I need it. I really love that. I want my children to remember that I didn't live by default. I didn't parent them by default. Every, every decision that I've made and every, every choice has been something I put so much thought into and whether that's just following the intuition that I have or, you know, doing hours of research to find out what would be best. I always wanted to parent them intentionally. And that is what I try very hard to do. And I hope that they recognize that. I hope that they remember that. And also, I just hope that their childhood is full of so much, you know, ease, so much fun that they don't have to look back and remember that, you know, that we were worried about this or that and that we had these you know, these big problems come up. I hope that they don't have to think back on that. I hope that they just see that we were all together and we were having so much fun and, and that I helped them 
have a very pleasant world as a child, you know? Hi, my name is Gina, and I am mother to Ella Rose. She's three and a half, and I'm also a stepmom to a 20-year-old boy who is in college now, and I'm living in San Diego. I've lived out here for about 11 years. My mom is a really silly, kind of fun-loving woman, and During my teenage years, mostly my teenage years, pretty much every Saturday morning would begin with her blasting the stereo, usually uh, Dave Matthews Band or something like that, and kind of pulling me out of bed and pulling me into the living room and just dancing around the living room with me. And even if I had friends sleeping over, which could be a little embarrassing as a teenager, but um, she would just kind of pull us all into the living room and dance around and just be silly with us. And, you know, sometimes it was Dave Matthews. Sometimes it was Sarah McLaughlin, depending on the mood. Um, And I really loved that, that side of her, you know, she was um, also very good at, you know, setting limits and, and boundaries and, you know, being a responsible mom. And she balanced that so beautifully with being fun and, and silly and, uh, and just connecting with me in that way. And I love that. And I hope to do that with my daughter too. Oh gosh, how motherhood changed me. Like every fiber of my being (laughs) changed when I had my daughter and, I would say what stands out to me the most is just recognizing you know how how moving it is, how challenging it is, how emotional, how joyful, you know, it's it's so much and um I felt so much more connected to my mother and my grandmother and you know, just, you know, that the the lineage of women in my family and just recognizing how, you know, how challenging it must have been for them in their own unique ways. Um, and so that really inspired me to reach out and support moms um, as a therapist. And I've always worked with children, but now I've, I focus more on, on helping women and, and doing so in, in a really, um, organic way, you know, we're just kind of coming together as women to support each other. Um, being so far away from my family was also challenging as a mom. Um, I didn't realize I would miss that so much because I've always been so independent and self-sufficient, but, you know, yeah, motherhood is about raising your children, but it's also about, you know, you know, becoming a a new version of yourself. And to do so, you need support and the loving embrace of of other women to guide you. And and so it's humbled me in that way. And, And I love that. Hi, Ellie. How weird. It's very, very strange to hear your voice coming out of my phone. Well, it does normally come out of my phone, but not, <laughs> not actually talking to me. I'm, I'm Lydia. I live in Edinburgh, um, but I'm not from Edinburgh. You can probably hear. I've got three children who are seven, six, and two. And I'm currently not working or, or you know, working, <laughs> whatever the term is, not in employed work. 
kind of accidentally. And yeah, that that's about it. That's me. I think there's a couple of things I come back to a lot, which are one, when I was probably kind of teenager-ish, uh, like a lot of evenings or most evenings, I would sit up on the kitchen counter while she washed up and just chat and just, yeah, I just that time of day was really special and I could... I wasn't a big sharer, but I just had a nice chat. And um, I don't know, I was, yeah, I think about that kind of time a lot. And I always remember being ill and having my mum stroke my head when I was a lot littler, kind of, you know, little enough to lie in bed with your teddy or whatever when you're ill. And I think that's a memory when I was maybe in my 20s or you know, away from home for the first time as I was feeling <laughs> sorry for myself. I'd feel like, oh, I want to be that small again and have my mom stroke my head and look after me. Those would be the two that jumped to mind. Oh, God. It's a really difficult question to answer because I think, I mean, you change anyway. And as you like, yeah, as I say, I mean, I forget so much that's happened with my kids changing and I find it really hard to remember what I was like even before I had them. I think I've had to face up to lots of things that I probably would have had to face up to anyway, but having your children, like feeling a responsibility to them to model something well for them or sort things out for them just pushes you so much more. So I don't know all sorts of, I'm an awful decision maker and I'm, naturally and I'm getting better but my my kind of personality type is I'm terrible at making decisions and um pushing things forward that I that to do for myself and um being assertive and so on and I feel like I've had to learn how to do that it sounds like I have learned but I haven't learned but I have got a lot better at a lot of things like that I think because because there have been moments when I've thought no my children need to see me take ownership of this thing that I'm doing Hi, I'm Allie Ladio. I have a almost two-year-old daughter, and I am a few months pregnant with my second, and I live out on a ranch in Livermore, California. I just made it sound like this lush place. We live in a 250 square feet on the dot. It's, you know, a glorified but very beautiful trailer. <laughs> some people are very familiar with tiny homes, and some people have no idea what I'm talking about when I say that. But it's it's one of those. It's very cute. We designed it on our own, and it's very livable, but it is very unique. <laughs> and actually, this is pretty funny. When when we were building it and designing it, we didn't know we were going to be having a little one. We actually learned we were um, going to have our first baby the exact day that we moved into the tiny house. <laughs> so we didn't move. We didn't necessarily plan with her in mind, but we've made it work longer than we thought. It's been two and a half years now, and actually life hack that's made my mom life a little easier, but it's not so much of a hack. It's just sort of the generality of having, and what I've sort of been forced into with the tiny house is having as little stuff as possible. And I feel like being forced to simplify our lives and have really kind of a minimalist um, lifestyle here has been so helpful in momhood because we realized how little babies actually need and we have so much less cleaning to do because it's 
so small. I don't have to do as much laundry because we really have hardly any clothes. Um, she has learned to be outside all the time and to play with sticks and buckets. <laughs> so we don't have too many toys. And so now I know, you know, I don't think we'll do the tiny house thing forever, but I know that I can carry that with me and kind of really keep simple in the future and that that'll be a huge, huge help. The I remember my mom just making everything really silly and magical all the time. Like she would help me find the fairies and the flowers and she would wake us up with crazy songs, which at the time we pretended we hated, but of course we loved. Um, she was just always singing and dancing and showing us the silliness and quirkiness of life. So I love that about her. And I think I'm, that's one of the things I'm carrying on in my motherhood style. Hi, this is Jesslyn. I'm from Alberta, Canada. I have two amazing daughters, one who's three and one who is nine months. I like laid awake last night. I couldn't even fall asleep. I was so excited. Um, And then I think too, knowing like my mom will probably listen to this. And then it was like, oh gosh, I need to do her justice because she's so amazing. Um, (laughs) My mom is probably the most hospitable and giving person I've ever met. Um, she is the person that everyone turns to when we need to celebrate something. So my daughter's turning three on Friday and it's just a no brainer. We've had both of her other two birthday parties at my parents' house and, uh, she just, my mom knows how to throw a party. She's just giving and she goes over the top. She, um, is the kind of person that, you know, when she's making meals, it's like, there's no doubt there will be leftovers for like five days. Like she's not kind of the kind of person that just does things just enough or halfway. She's like an over the top giver and over the top just generosity is just like who she is. So I think that, you know, teaching teenagers is pretty much the same as parenting a three year old. And I think the biggest thing is that teenagers, they're not going to like you unless they think you like them. And, uh, I think just always coming with more understanding than authoritarianism. I just know that in my own classroom, the times I've been most successful is uh, pre-planning, planning, planning, planning ahead of time to kind of like preemptively stop the behaviors or the meltdown. So if I know that my daughter is going to have a meltdown because we've been grocery shopping and doing all the things I need to do all morning and she's starving and hangry (laughs) and I need to just plan ahead and have snacks or, you know, plan ahead for things that she wants to do. But I think the biggest thing is just like kids just want to know that you like them and they have such a good BS filter. Like they just know, they know when we're faking and it sucks because (laughs) sometimes as an adult, you just want to fake fake it till you make it. But with kids, I don't think we can. We kind of have to just really be all in and open our hearts wide and be willing to kind of be vulnerable to that because it's hard. It's so hard. But vulnerability is just the, the big thing, I think. Hi, Mamas. Um, My name is Sayoa, and I'm a licensed clinical social worker in Chicago. Um, I have two children, one age five, and the other one just turned age three. I remember 
So I've always been horrible at math. And I had this teacher in seventh grade and he would call up a student to the front of this of the class and make that student do a math problem. And then you would have to stand up there until he until you got it right. Well, I would be up there like the entire class because I just didn't get it. And I'll never forget during teacher parent teacher conferences. Um, I wasn't in the room. I was outside the room, but I could kind of hear what was going on. And my mom. She was so upset that he humiliated me in front of class that she stood up for me and advocated for me and was basically telling this teacher, like, that's not okay. You know, you're shaming my daughter, this and that. And it just really stood out. It stood out to me because, you know, she was the type of mom that wanted to, you know, she, she wanted to, she would never be mean to people or disrespectful and always wanted to be socially appropriate. And I thought, Wow, like she broke out of that just to stand up for me. And I thought it was amazing. Really amazing. I am Lawrence. Um, I have an 11-month-old Olivia, and we live in Columbus, Ohio. I was super pregnant last Mother's Day. Olivia was born in June. My husband got me like a massage gift card and said from him and future baby. And so it was very sweet. So I'm hoping maybe something else plans like that this year. But both my parents are visiting also because my mom wanted to be here on my first Mother's Day. I I love that you say you're a recovering perfectionist because I can totally relate to that. (laughs) I think it has actually helped me in that journey, though. I just like my time is so much more limited. Um, I have my own business. um, So I'm trying to fit that in around also being Olivia's mostly full time caretaker. And it's just I've found it so easy just to say no to things that are not important or I don't have time for. And that's really surprised me about myself. Um, Cause I'm definitely a people pleaser. And like I said, a perfectionist and my business is important to me. And it's just, it's helped me like zero in on focus on what's really, really important and just kind of get rid of all the extra stuff that I don't need to be doing. I'm a much more relaxed mom than I thought I would be. I mean, obviously like I'm, you know, protective of her and don't want her to get hurt or anything. But I think that I'm much less of a helicopter parent than I thought I would be. Again, back to just having less time. It's like a pick your battles kind of thing. It's like, you want to empty out the whole pantry? That's fine. You're not going to get hurt and nothing bad is going to happen. And you're entertained for 10 minutes so I can do the dishes. (laughs) Like, you know, I think my type, my uh, more perfectionist person who I was before as a parent, it would drive me insane to see all of that on the floor. And now it's just like, you know what, you're happy and it's funny to you and you're being a little scientist explorer. And that's great. Perfection is impossible. And I want her to know that since I've been working on that for quite a while. So I don't want to pass that on to her. So I think maybe that's also why I try to just be really relaxed around her because I want, I also don't want to project any of my stuff onto her. I just want her to grow up and be her own person and not, you know, have any, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, just not have anything projected onto her, especially this young too. I want to see how her little personality develops. She's a happy, happy baby. And it's just, it's been so much fun to be her mom. 
So yeah, my name is Monique. I live in Tampa. I have a three-year-old feisty little girl, and she is definitely a princess slash monster. Uh, she likes to growl and dress up in Rapunzel and <laughs> roar at the top of her lungs. So it's a lot of fun. My mom is Brazilian. Um, my dad is American. Um, I was born in California, but my mom was um, fresh from uh, from Rio, and uh, she didn't speak much English. So my first language was was both, actually. My dad would speak to me in English. My mom would speak to me in Portuguese. So I kind of adopted that with my daughter. And um, uh, I've noticed recently she actually enjoys me when we read at night. She enjoys it when I, when I read to her in Portuguese. So I find that she'll p- pick out the Portuguese books. And I used to uh, translate a lot of the books, you know, like uh, the the bunny rabbit one, like I love you this much. I translated it uh, into Portuguese. My mom's always the type that she's she's always she always gets very excited, right? Like when things happen uh, in life, and I, I might be nervous or I might be scared or um, you know unsure. She's always been like the one saying it's going to be great. We're going to do this and we're going to do that, and she's like always there and she's always just trying to find the bright side of things. And she's always been the type of person to like take time. I remember when I was younger, like she made her bridal gown, uh, her wedding dress into dresses for my Barbie dolls. <laughs> so, you know, she used to take the time to sit down and play Barbie dolls with me. I just always remember her when I was younger um, and throughout all my challenges recently, like she's always excited. She's always helping me get excited for things. The one that kind of spoke to me was just kind of how has motherhood surprised you because it has been the polar opposite in every possible way imaginable. So um, prior to having Mia, I um, I was in a relationship for over 10 years and I also used to rescue pit bulls. So I'm like, okay, well, you know, we'll get married and We'll have uh, this family and I kind of did everything right, you know, like waited and, and, you know, made sure that we were in a really good place and then, you know, got the house and all this. So I thought I had like all my ducks in a row and we'd have this perfect little traditional family and Mia would be like a dog lover and I had my, my main dog was named Bear uh, and he was like my rock and as soon as I got married, I got pregnant. Um, my husband ended up leaving. I was uh, three months pregnant. And at the same time, my, my dog died. So that was really devastating. It was a lot to, to deal with. And, um, and then on top of that, I was scared to death of hospital. <laughs> so I had known for years exactly where I would give birth. You know, there was this birthing center nearby. I knew so many women that went there, so many of my friends. I knew that the midwives and I was very well acclimated like in that community and um my feisty princess monster decided she was going to be a breach and um I was admitted to a hospital uh well I first stepped foot in a hospital at 35 weeks pregnant so I ended up getting really lucky and had a really good doctor that delivered my um my brother it it did end up being a c-section so you know, and then, and then I go home and I'm like, oh my God, I'm bringing this, this child, this baby, this life that I have no clue what to do with home to just me. (laughs) And it was like the scariest moment of my life, but I can't tell you like how strong it's made me. And my mom always said, you know, um, 
this is your destiny. Everything that you go through, this is your destiny. And it wouldn't be your destiny if you couldn't live through it. And, you know, you just, you have to trust that, that you can do this because obviously he believes you can do this. And if he believes you can do this, then, then it's, it's meant to be. And there's so much that you're going to gain from this and learn from this. And it's been a crazy roller coaster, but it's been amazing. So I'm Olivia Howell, and I am a mom of two little boys. Um, Weston is almost five, and Wyatt is almost one. And I am in New York. I'm a born and bred New Yorker, married to a non-New Yorker, which is quite interesting. Um, And I do social media marketing and influencer outreach for small brands and women-owned businesses. Um, And I love media, and I love crafts and creating and networking. I'm kind of like a born yenta. And yeah, I guess that's me. So my mom is an artist. She's a watercolor artist and she is a night owl. And so my entire childhood, it's it's funny, Ellie, because I was just listening to your um, Expressing Motherhood episode. One of the things that, that she talked about in that episode was guarding her sleep. And my mother was a, was a true guard of her own sleep. And so she would sleep a lot. Basically, my dad would come home from work and then she would kind of like tag out and sleep and my dad would end up putting us to bed and then she would wake back up to do her artwork in the middle of the night. And so as a little kid, I felt like there was always somebody awake in the house because she was always up uh, creating and, and doing her artwork. And so I have very vivid memories of being five and six years old and waking up and going down to our family room and she would be spread out with all of her watercolors and this huge pieces of watercolor paper and watching, you know, TV and just really like letting that, that moment pass her by, like, and creating and, and she has an amazing eye for color and like seeing those colors play out are such like a part of my childhood. And now as a mother myself, I'm the one that stays up until three o'clock in the morning doing the same thing. So I totally get it. But yeah, those, those moments of her crafting and creating um, really kind of were a touchstone for my childhood. So I was kind of an anxious child and still an anxious person. And I remember being in kindergarten and I had a lovely kindergarten teacher, but they were very, the kindergarten teachers were very um, displeased that I didn't follow all the rules, meaning that I didn't like do the new things they wanted me to do because I was very like hesitant to try new things. And so the kindergarten teachers called my mother and were like, Olivia doesn't want to try new food. And my mother was like, who cares? And then they were like, and she doesn't want to put her hands and feet in the paint. And my mother was like, well, I wouldn't want to put my hands and feet in paint in front of people. Like, that's a weird thing to ask a child to do. My mother bought face paint and body paint and gave it to me at home and left me in the bathroom and said, here, do whatever you want with it. I don't care if you use it or not. I came out of the bathroom covered head to toe in paint because once I could do it by myself and I had this, like, the freedom and I felt like okay about it I was like this is awesome this is so much fun I can paint my whole body but it was that I had to take my time doing it so she really understood that hi I'm Lauren I'm from Minneapolis Minnesota and I have a one and a half year old daughter named Sarah after I had a kid so Sarah was about like a week old at this point 
and I was so sleep deprived and uh, my mom was just holding her and I took a nap. When I woke up from the nap, I was like, oh, mom, like I can take her. It's fine. And my mom was like, oh, like, let's just give it a couple minutes. And in those two minutes, I passed out on her shoulders. And my mom was holding both like me and my kid while we were sleeping. And it was just like really sweet. So what surprised me most about motherhood is how much I've been able to adapt to my changing situations. Um, I found a letter that I wrote to my husband uh, like five years ago saying that, you know, I want to have kids one day, but I don't know if I can have them and be by myself. And he travels a lot for work. So he's been gone for the last month or so. And I was really scared to do this by myself, but you just kind of rise to the occasion and you just do it. And it's been going really well. And I've got a lot of support and it was just different than I expected. I guess my biggest life hack was moving closer to family. Um, I originally lived about four hours away in North Dakota. And in my third trimester, we were like, okay, we can't do this by ourselves. And we dropped everything. We got out of our lease and we moved all the way back home. And having like grandparents five minutes away is probably the biggest life hack ever because if something quick happens, like, oh, I need to go to the doctor today, they're right there. Drop off my kid. For my job, I have to work every Saturday and then Sunday is my day to recover. So today is actually my day off. I'm taking her to the Mall of America so we can go get Shake Shack. I'm obsessed with their burgers. Well, I am Kara, and I live in Birmingham, Alabama, and I have two little ones. I have a daughter who is three and a quarter, but uh, that quarter is very important, and a son who is seven and a half months. I'm one of five, so a lot of my memories, unfortunately, aren't one-on-one because we just had such a full household, but I do remember kind of sneaking into her bathroom when she was getting ready in the morning and playing with her jewelry and, you know, as she's putting on her makeup, I just remember actually, especially at night when she was taking off her makeup, that cold cream smell. Do you remember cold cream? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That smell, it's just burned on my brain, but she just, she, she just had a way of, despite everything that was going on in her life, all these five kids running around, she just, she got ready every day. And that's not something that I can say that I do. And I just remember it. She just was like the classic, like, dress for how you want to feel person um, and just made time to do that every day. And I wish that I did it more, but it's, it's something that I definitely remember that is important. And, you know, when you take the time to do it, it really makes a huge difference. Something that, that my mom did is really just let me be who I am. I don't feel like she, I just, I don't feel like she, set the trajectory. You know, she really let us be who we were and make our own path. And it's something that I didn't really realize until I was a parent and how difficult that is. And I hope that my kids have the same feeling that they were loved and supported, but that I never pushed any sort of agenda. And that I just, I don't know, that I I want them to feel like themselves. And I don't want them ever to look back and think, you know, mom really, you know, tried to push me into this or that. And I just, I want them to do what makes them happy. And, you know, that's, that's really it at the end of the day. So, hi, my name is Lauren Florice. Um, I live in Southern California with my husband, Henry, and our daughter, Lavinia, who is going to be two 
in July, um, I worked as a full-time assistant cross-country and track coach um, at California Baptist University, and I'm also working to get my online running coaching business off of the ground because when we have a second, we really want me to be able to stay home. Um, so that's that's what we're working on right now. <laughs> I'm like a pretty type A person, or I, that's how I would have described myself for a really long time. Um, and I, as a mom, have actually kind of become a little bit more like go with the flow and like laid back, I think. Um, And my sister actually told me that same thing this past Christmas when I was visiting my family. She's like, you're the only person I know who like has gotten like more chill when they became a mom. And I actually like, I really do attribute that a lot to Atomic Moms just because I learned so much that I think that if I was just to go into motherhood and parenting, like with my own like lenses on, like I would have been a lot more type A and been a lot more worried about things that I've learned don't matter or just been able to be more calm about things. I think just what like Atomic Moms and like all the guests and experts and stuff have kind of like encouraged is like to think about what kind of mom you want to be and like make conscious choices. So like if I don't get hard on myself, if the laundry's not folded, cause like I made a conscious decision to sit with my daughter and watch a movie cause she asked me to sit down, you know, and then being able to allow myself to not feel bad that the laundry's not folded, that kind of stuff. I just hope that my daughter remembers that I was present. And I think that's hard as a mom who works and is gone a lot. Um, It's really easy to like be worried that you're not around enough. Um, But so I just hope that when I am with her and have time with her, that I am not distracted and that that's how she remembers me is being engaged and like present with her when we're together. Hi, I'm Maggie. I live in Chapel Hill, North Carolina with my husband and our one daughter. Um, She's two years old and she is the best. My favorite memory of my mom, well, this is recent memory, but when I told her that I was pregnant is probably my all-time favorite memory because she was so excited. Um, And she had been talking about, you know, us having a kid for such a long time and Um, when I went and went back home for that weekend and surprised her with the news, her reaction, I will never forget it. But um, she was just like squealing and dancing around the kitchen. It was so cute. She and I had gone on a girl's trip to New York two weeks before I told them and I knew I was pregnant, but I wanted my dad to be there when I told her. So I kept it from her the whole weekend and we'd like go in these shops and she'd be like, well, if you were pregnant, I'd buy you this and I'd buy you this. And I just kept the secret from her the whole time knowing like, and I felt so sick. And so I was trying, I was like, I can't believe you didn't know because like running to the bathroom was so funny. I think, and this is why I love listening to your podcast because I also consider myself now a recovering perfectionist because children do that to you. Um, I think I was a lot more high strung before Addison was born and thought I had to be the best at anything that I was doing at any given time. And very quickly after she was born, when breastfeeding didn't work out for us, it was kind of a slap in the face. Like you don't have to be perfect to everything. You are still a good mom. Um, so 
that has kind of carried over into a lot of different aspects of my life in terms of I could still be a good employee working, even if I'm not the best winning all the awards, I can still do a great job without being the most perfect person that walks into the office on a daily basis. Um, and I think same thing with friendships and other family relationships, um, which is probably a healthy change. I'm very appreciative to her for doing that for me. I'm Katie Gonzalez. I have two beautiful daughters, Amelia and Penelope. Amelia is seven and a half and Penelope turned five today. And I'm from Houston, Texas, and I teach art to kinder first and second grade. Uh, Parenting makes you humble. Being a teacher and having my first child really made me way more empathetic for the parents of my students than I had ever been before having children. But the way that I look at the kids and I think about them is so much more compassionate because I think your parents love you so much, whatever way they love you, you know, like however they do their parenting thing. And I am not a perfect parent. And I think a lot about children like all day long. And then all of my life, my mom is an early childhood specialist and, and preschool director. And so I have like child development, like just in my, you know, genetic makeup or whatever, but like, I still feel like I make a ton of mistakes all the time. And I have to reckon all the time with the fact that I can't control all of the things that my kids do, especially when they're not with me. And then also in this really other crazy way, when they are with me, I definitely can't control like so much about them. And so it's just this like overwhelming, loving acceptance for the messiness of being a human and how by like loving each other and trying to notice the good things about each other, you can pretty much like appreciate and get along with anyone and like help anyone grow in whatever way, because you just are like not looking at them with judgment, but looking at them with like kindness and empathy. Hi, um, I'm Angie and I have an eight-year-old son, very spirited, outgoing, energetic son. I'm also a parent educator and peaceful conscious parenting and run a monthly adoptive parent support group. My favorite memories of my mother are birthdays and holidays because she made them extraordinary. I mean, every birthday I'd wake up with a note under my pillow with, to begin the scavenger hunt to find my gift. And I didn't have to go to school if I didn't want to, if it's all on a school day. She'd decorate the house. We had parties of our choice. She decorated the house for every holiday from St. Patrick's Day to Valentine's Day. And I have inherited this. And, and I love it. It was just so joyful. We would, uh, as a single mom, she couldn't afford big extravagant vacations. So she would pack up our station wagon every summer or extended weekends and we'd go on camping trips. And I am proud to say that we never went to Europe, never flew in an airplane. My mother never flew in an airplane her whole life, bless her. But we have visited 41 of our 50 states here in America. And not a lot of people can say that. And 
I've seen so many beautiful places because of her and experiences because of her. Hi, I'm Sherry Leventhal, and I'm a civil engineer in New York City. Uh, I live with my husband and two-year-old daughter in Montclair, New Jersey. One of the things that came to mind about my favorite memory of my mom was just how much trust and independence um, she gave me. And an example of that is she was the mom who talked to all the moms of my other friends growing up and convinced us, convinced all of them when we were like 15 years old that it was okay for us to go into the city and stand on the TKTS line to get tickets to a Broadway show because she knew that I had spent a lot of time in the city and I knew my way around and I had a good head on my shoulders and I wouldn't get us lost and I wouldn't get us into trouble. And I had been kind of, she had given me (laughs) the opportunity to walk around on my own in Manhattan when she would take me into her office and I'd walk around Rockefeller Center from like the age of 11 um, (laughs) on my own. So it was uh, just pretty impressive that she could (laughs) convince all the other moms, you know, of uh, neurotic Long Island moms to uh, let me let me escort their daughters around the city at like 15 years old. <laughs> so one thing that has made my life easier as someone who doesn't have the easiest child is we, ha- we had a long struggle with changing her clothes. Basically, Callie was only willing to change her clothes if she was getting into the bathtub. So it was a struggle in the morning. It was a struggle on days that wasn't bath time. So ultimately, for for a few months, I ended up just ditching pajamas altogether. And after bath time, we would put on her clothes for the next day. And she was pretty much ready to go <laughs> when she woke up. <laughs> and, you know, they don't get that dirty when they're sleeping. So it's a big deal. I'd like to think that my daughter... Rem- remembers me as both someone who liked to work hard and play hard as someone who, you know, was passionate about her work and was passionate about um, having fun and um, getting out there doing things, you know, making the most of life and, you know, not taking things too seriously. Thank you. Thank you to all of our listener community and thank you to these 17 women who shared with us until next week trust in your goodness live out your greatness rock on atomic moms mm-hmm.